0: Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established wickedly smart women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the wickedly smart women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create change all around the world. Now here's your host, Emerald Green Forest.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Emerald Greenforest, and today we welcome our special guest, Rochelle Seltzer. Rochelle is on a mission to unleash the untapped creative capacity inside women everywhere, so that they live all of their greatness. After three decades in brand design, Rochelle sought work that would light her up in bigger ways. She sold her business in 2011 and embarked on intensively studying creativity and launched her creative core coaching practice. Rochelle supports accomplished women who feel stuck and are figuring out what's next or navigating big life transitions and teaches them to live big. Her new book is Live Big, A Manifesto for a Creative Life, and it is bringing her message to the masses. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to have you, Rochelle. I am completely delighted to be with you. Well, lovely woman, creativity is like the lifeblood of my existence. And so it's really a joy to have somebody who has actually studied creativity and has taken her studies and condensed them into a book. So I want to start in our conversation today, Rochelle, with what was your journey that got you to the place where you were called Into this study of creativity? Like, what's the background? Were you really creative when you were a kid? Or did you have some kind of an awakening moment where all of a sudden you went creatively wild? Tell us a little bit about what got you to the moment of saying, hey, you know what? I want to actually study creativity and then do something with it.
2: This is a fabulous question. I think I probably had a a very unexpected path. I was interested like all little kids in creating, but I was very much shut down and criticized. And so when you can't please the people that love you, when they keep telling you to do it again, you can do better, it kind of shuts you down. And it's funny because I have a sister who's a little bit younger than me and she remembers all that criticism coming toward me and that she had free reign. Mm -hmm. And she became an amazing artist and I was, Very, very, very afraid of creativity. So part of me, still inside, deep inside, loved it. Uh, I was very fortunate to be exposed to art as a child, museums and all of that. And I, I applied for and I attended art college. And I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree. But when I got to college, I gravitated immediately toward the field of design. Because design was safe. Design was a place to use creativity to solve the problems that my clients had. And it was not about personal expression of any kind. And whereas many of my classmates took painting courses and sculpting courses and ceramics, I did not, none of that. I did none of that. Because I didn't think that I had it in me. I didn't know how that worked. It was actually pretty uh, mysterious and a little bit scary. So I went into design. And I built a career, and I owned a business for twenty seven years, and we got all sorts of awards, and everybody always talked about what a creative person I was. And I always felt that that was a fraud. I felt that true creativity was something that I couldn't quite find. And it was really when I hired a coach, I hired him to help me with my business. It was, you know the big downturn in the economy of the of the recession. And I had never had help before. And I decided it was time to get some help. And yes, this coach who works with people in the creative industry was fantastic. And he helped us with a lot of business issues, but really he helped me find who I was. It was all about how was I going to be a stronger leader, a stronger leader with my clients, leading my team, showing up in my marketing with, you know, being visible and being present and authentic. Instead of hiding behind the firm and all the awards that we got and all of the teamwork, it was really, how was I showing up? And he challenged me. It was an amazing process. And it was in the course of working with him after a couple of years, and we did pull through when the economy was starting to come back. I was in a coaching session with him one day. I think that my heart was way ahead of my head. And I heard myself say the words, you know something, I need to change the subject. I think I'm done here. And what I realized was I was very proud of the work we did. I loved our clients, I loved the impact we had on their businesses, but it wasn't lighting me up anymore. And I made a big decision. I made a decision to sell the business without knowing exactly what I would do next. Mm. And I think that when you're really open and ready, the universe meets you. And a door appeared in front of me to attend a workshop about creativity. And terrified as I was, my coach encouraged me to go. And it was life-changing. And I eventually started studying with a brilliant psychiatrist who uses creativity as the modality for all of his work. And I spent two years studying with him. And when I finished learning to teach his intuitive painting method, and studied what he called psycho-creative therapy. He's not American. It's not a you know credentialed practice in this country. And it actually wasn't what I wanted to do. It's a little too therapeutic for me. Mm-hmm. And uh but it, what I loved was the impact of coaching, the way that coaching had changed my life. And I said, this is what I want to do. I wanna take everything I've learned and create a coaching practice around it because I came to believe and understand that we all come into the world with a huge capacity to create. And it's not something special for those super talented people. You know, people put the word creative into a little box. Mm. You know, oh, but if you're not Picasso or if you're not Bruce Springsteen or if you're not, you know, name the kind of artist you want, but somebody great, then your creativity doesn't count. Mm. And I think a lot of people like me either got shut down or didn't trust it, didn't believe it. In whatever way. You know, I had somebody that came to one of my workshops once and tears were rolling down her eyes and I was a little bit nervous about what she was experiencing. And I took her aside, I said, Are you okay? And she said, I can't believe that I did what I did today because the nuns told me in second grade that I couldn't create. Mm. And she stopped. She was a great writer, but she had never done anything beside writing. Yeah. And she not realize the fact that she was a great writer was an indicator that she was a very powerfully creative woman. Yeah. My mission really became one of helping people understand this capacity that they have to create in their lives. And that starts with a mindset and a belief that you're creative and expanding the definition, broadly expanding the definition of what it means to create. Yeah.
1: Beautiful. I love that. Broadly expand the definition of what it means to create. You know, I think uh, Rochelle, a couple of things that I, I just want to touch on from what you just said. I love that you said that you, your heart got ahead of your head. That was beautiful. I've had that happen to me more than once, but you know, I think the other thing that I really want to shine the flashlight on here or the spotlight on here for our listeners is Two things. First, everyone is born with immense, massive creative capacity. Many people are dormant in that; they're literally they're like seeds or like pine cones lying on the ground that are dormant, or acorns lying on the ground that are dormant. And so many people never even get germinated throughout their entire life. They don't get germinated. Sometimes people also just think of the creative as just you know, well, I had children. Right? Women, I had children. That was my creative act, right? Right. So I really love that your mission is to help people to really expand their idea of creativity and then also to germinate all of those latent seeds. And, you know, for me, I was kind of creative when I was a kid, but then I went into a very left brained life where I spent years as a real estate developer. And it wasn't until I actually had a spiritual awakening that I discovered my own creativity, and now it's just like, I I can't breathe without it. (laughs) So my next question for you is, when you went into that phase where you were leaving behind your old life, Mm -hmm. and you were literally creating your new life, one thing that you've said is you had the support of a coach. Is there some things that you did or maybe some things that you share in your book that were part of that process of leaving behind an old life and creating a new one that you might drop for our listeners as some immediately actionable
2: support steps for them? Oh, what a beautiful question. I think that I trusted myself. And I think that's not something that everybody does with ease. And again, it takes support. So for one thing, I have a husband who has always believed in me. He believed in me before anybody else did, really. And so I think we're each other's biggest champions and always have been through thick and thin. That was a big piece of it. Having a coach to work with as I dove into all that study and had all that, you know, when I first sold the business, actually, I thought I knew what I might do next. I was going to be an advocate for design strategy. It was something we had done in, in my business that I was proud of. And I started down that path and it didn't light me up enough to stick with it. So I think I had a very high, I set a high bar for myself. I wasn't willing to compromise. You know, this happened to me late in my fifties. And I said, this is the last big, you know, 10, 15 years of my professional life. And I want to love what I do. And I am willing to find it. So I trusted myself. I believed in myself. And I think that I was open. And I really kept the fear down. And I think that that's a huge limitation. I think fear is the biggest way that the self-critic comes in and hampers us and sabotages us. Mm -hmm. It's one of the things I teach a lot about is self-love and managing the self-critic. Because those are the foundations for being truly creative. If you can truly believe in yourself, believe in your gifts, believe that you're deserving, believe that you've got important things to contribute in the world, and value yourself that way, it makes it much easier to counteract the messages of the self-critic, whatever they are, fear being the biggest one, but you know the imposter syndrome and the way we compare ourselves to others and perfectionism and procrastination, there's a whole host of them. So I was working with somebody who taught me about self-love in my studies as part of this foundation for creativity. And I think that's part of what carried me through this with a tremendous belief in myself that I was going to find my way, that I had everything I needed. I just needed the right teachers, and I needed the level of commitment. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, well, I mean, I talk about, just to add one more bit, that when you're willing and when you have the belief and you layer commitment on top of that, that you're unstoppable.
1: Yeah, I love it. So what I heard there were four things. You had a champion. Champions are important, ladies. And it doesn't have to be your husband or your spouse. Sometimes it's your brother. Sometimes it's your best friend. Sometimes it's a business buddy that you met somewhere at an event or something. So one, have a champion. Two, have a coach. Three, don't compromise. And four, commit. So great, four, four, Beautiful actionable steps, Rochelle. We are going to take a short break, but when we get back, we will talk more with Rochelle about her book, the creation of her book, that creative process, and what people can find in there. And uh, we will find out more about any struggles that she might have had on the journey and what she did to create a way around those obstacles. We will be right back with Rochelle Seltzer. But right now, we are going to take a quick break. Wickedly Smart Women. We would like some help. If you are enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation and creating a wave of wealth in the bank account at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. And we'd also love to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. I want to thank all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. We are now downloading in 35 countries. And we want to give a shout out today to our listeners in Albania and Israel. We'll be right back with Rochelle Seltzer.
0: The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Creative Age Consulting Group. Women, are you ready for a big revenue breakthrough so you can stop working like a man and being paid like a woman? Are you ready to take the leap and go deep to claim your value and convert your wisdom to wealth? Is now the time to fulfill your mission and change the world? Creative Age Consulting Group is hired by women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance and be heard by millions while building a sustainable business model that makes bank. Please visit apply.wealthylifemethod.com to apply for an invitation-only consultation. If you have been inspired to receive support in welcoming wealth by making your most heartfelt contribution to the world, be sure to apply for a consultation today. Once again, that is apply.wealthylifemethod.com or click in the link in the show notes to access the application. And we are back with Rochelle
1: Seltzer. You can find out more about Rochelle and access her new book, The Live Big Book at the LiveBig Book. and it is an extraordinarily beautiful book. She was showing me the book earlier in the green room and it's very creative and very colorful and beautifully designed. And if you go to thelivebigbook.com, you can access the book there and you can also find out more about Rochelle and connect with her directly to see if you might be coached by her. And uh, so Rochelle, I'd love to have you talk about Uh, One thing I talk about when I I talk to specifically to very creative women is I have had the experience myself of being hyper-creative. Like once the germination happened, right? I had been suppressed and suppressed and suppressed and repressed and depressed for so long that once the germination happened in my own life, then it was just like wild out there creativity and like nonstop, like, Oh, I want to do a podcast. Let me write a book. Let me make paintings. Let me do this. Let me do that. Let me do something else. And I have found I had, I sort of have a little bit of a rhythm. It took me a while to get clear on that. But what I have found for myself is I will go head down and write in for an intense period of time. And then I walk away from it. And I don't want anything to do with it for months sometimes sometimes you know whether it's writing or making jewelry or painting or whatever. So, I'd love to have you talk about your own process for channeling creativity that led you to to put the book together and how that was for you. And then if you want to, you know, kind of reflect on how you might help somebody like me who gets hyper creative and sometimes loses sight of everything else in the hyper creativity, that would be great.
2: So, I have a technique in my book called The Discovery Dozen. And even before I had trademarked it and and written the book, and uh, actually well before I'd written the book and um, codified it with that name, it was a process that I was experimenting with. I'd been taught parts of it and shaped it eventually to be The Discovery Dozen. The essence of this process is where the book began, which is that you start with a piece of a sentence and you complete that sentence 12 different times with 12 different answers. And I was challenged by my coach. He said, well, you say that you teach women to live big. He said, how do you live big? And so I used this process, and I came up with, I live big when? And I had 12 different answers. And then he said, well, do you think you could write 30? And I said, yeah, I can write 30 ways that I live big. And then he suggested that I take each of those sentences And I, you know, sort of build them out into a paragraph or two to say more about it. And I did one a day for 30 days. And I emailed him one every day to stay accountable. And at the end, he said, look what you've done. He said, this is the beginning of a book. And I was like, holy cow, this is the beginning of a book. (laughs) So I picked from those 30, I picked 10 that I call the being of living big and 10 that I call the doing of living big. And I created this manifesto for a creative life because I think that we are human beings and we spend way too much time doing and not enough time being. And so that's the way I organized these 10 chapters in each section. So there's 20 chapters in the book and that was the beginning. And I had the good fortune to be on a sabbatical. My husband had a sabbatical and I cleared the decks And we moved to Washington, D.C. and spent three months there where I took my first painting course, which talk about a creative leap that was extremely big for me. And I started writing the book. And uh, that's where it really came from. And that's why that's a signature tool that I've taught throughout the book. The book for each chapter has exercises and practices that you can bring into your life. And the Discovery Dozen is one of the ones that one of the exercises I use in different ways all throughout the book. So that was the catalyst for me to be able to create this book. Of course, it took several years of effort. There were some setbacks along the way, but it was so important to me that I never stopped. Yeah. Kept going. There's that commitment. <laughs> it
1: was. Yeah. And also that you had a container. So that's one of the things I'm hearing is that those questions began to create the structure and the container yes. that you could then pour into, which, yes. yeah. Yeah. I think is really important. So how about a hyper-creative? Hyper-creative.
2: Rochelle, I, what are you, you going to do with me? <laughs> I love that you are. And I rarely find people that have that issue in their lives. People usually move into it very slowly and tentatively and test the waters and figure it out. And then they find what they like and they often stay there. And part of what I want to do is help people find all the ways that they want and need to create. It does sometimes the excitement of starting something new can be really just juicy, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Sexy, sexy, juicy. (laughs) Yes. And then you get into the stage, which I certainly live through with my book, of the tedium, the fine-tuning, the flushing every part out, not just the parts that really excite you, the working with an editor and, and all the proofreading, and the parts that are not as exhilarating. And I think that when something's important enough to you, and that's going to be a question I have for you, Emerald is is it important enough, exciting enough to you to go back to it or stay with it? Maybe yeah. you put it go because it really didn't light you up that much and there was something more exciting.
1: Well, you know what's interesting, and I I really feel like this is an important piece of the conversation as well, Rochelle, is I have the capacity to jump with the excitement, to move through the tedium, but then when it's done. It feels like I'm done. And where I think I have the biggest challenge is in then getting it into market and having more excitement around marketing and monetizing whatever it is, right? So, you know, initially when I had my spiritual awakening, it was the jewelry. I made more jewelry than a mother could love. And I would sit down and make 45 pieces of jewelry in three days. It would like be pour through me. I would make 45 pieces of jewelry in three days and then I'd walk away from it for months. And when I first started on my creative journey, jewelry was like my thing. And I started taking it out to stores and putting it in stores and things like that. But then I didn't touch my beads until, you know, maybe three months later, six months later. And then I'd go through another creative burst where I did 45 pieces of jewelry in three days. But I think it's the piece around, Maybe monetizing and marketing where I feel myself like I run up against a wall. So instead of pushing through that wall, I take myself back into the creative zone and say, well, what else can I create? You know, what else can I create? Can I go paint something
2: now or something? Because at least I feel like I'm producing something. So I've seen this happen. Uh, one of the, the tools that I use in my work is the enneagram, and I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's one of the things that can happen with some of the enneagram styles. And one in particular I'm thinking of, and what happens is when it gets not to be fun, that enneagram style wants to go on to the next fun thing. So my I guess, my question for you, <laughs> is when you hit that discomfort, is it something that you want to be able to hand off to somebody else to do the part that you don't love, which I think is a perfectly fine way to say, I'm going to live in the creative space and I'm going to let somebody else do the parts that are not my gift or just don't make me happy? Mm. Or is there something else that's, do you feel like you can do that part, but it's just not as much fun? I think you've got choices to make.
1: Yeah, I agree. I do have choices. I felt for years that I wanted to hand it off to somebody, but I also felt like there was this chicken and egg thing where I like there wanted to be some control or Like they needed to see that I could generate and have value before they could take on. Yeah. So there's some stuff for me to work in there. I think there's some questions for me to sit with. The thing that feels more light, because you do like to use the word lights up, to me is handing it off to somebody else. That feels much more exciting to me. And it feels like me being in my creative zone is the highest and best for all concerned.
2: That's what I'm feeling intuitively. And so I would just invite you to see how there are many, many ways you can hand that off. Mm -hmm. And I think just enjoying the exploration of how that could work to make you happy and to keep you more in the zone that's really where your highest place and your your greatest joy means that you don't have to sacrifice the getting it into the world part at all. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Beautiful. I love it. Well, we have two minutes left before we have to close this interview that goes so quickly. And that was lovely. Thank you so much for offering some coaching to me there. I like to uh, make sure that the wickedly smart women who are listening know that I put my pants on the same way that they do one leg at a time. So uh, I like to stay humble sometimes and have somebody else step into the coaching seat for me. And that was really lovely. If there was one final thing that you wanted to deposit into the ears and hearts of our listeners about living big or about creativity, what would it be,
2: Rochelle? Oh, boy. I would say that when you think about yourself, can you identify places that you are living small, smaller than you know that you are, a way that you're keeping yourself small and that the world is being robbed of that part of you of that genius of that gift we all have so many gifts and the world needs all of that that's how the world gets better and here's the thing when you bring your gifts into the world when you step into that and step into a bigger way of living your life you not only benefit but the ripple effects the way that you model for your children or your friends or your siblings or your coworkers, or whatever, it it filters out. People will see you in a new way, they'll be inspired by you, and what you model will help other people to do that too. So I would just say that we have so many opportunities to live all of ourselves, Mm -hmm. and it's my dream that more of us will really create these big lives and live big. Beautiful, well let's help Rochelle bring her dream into
1: reality. I would totally invite everyone who is listening, who resonates with some of what she said or all of what she said to go to the livebigbook.com, get your copy of the book, get in touch with Rochelle if you feel like she would be an outstanding coach. I would vote for her. And definitely listeners, we do love feedback, so please let us know what you thought of today's show. By calling into our listener line, we'll have that in the show notes, along with all the links to get in touch with Rochelle, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember, you are a wonderful woman.
0: Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to review and rate Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.